<laughs> Can you use this as an outtake? Hey, everybody. You're listening to... The In Hindsight. In Hindsight. In Hindsight. You're listening to the In Hindsight Podcast. Let's go. All right. <clears throat> yeah, man, like I said, I appreciate you coming in on this... Uh, on this Tuesday evening, yeah. yeah. Any reason yeah. to pull out some drinks and uh, you know have a good chat? Exactly, this is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, bud. Hey. Yeah, dude. Cheers. Um. So yeah, we kind of wanted to just like start off by you know picking your brain about. Uh, are you are you born and raised here? No, I'm born and raised in um, North Dakota, Willis, North Dakota. Yeah. Um. Guess for everyone listening, because I always forget to do this kind of thing, because I got to talk to the people out there, right? Yeah. Uh, Stetson Lawrence uh, is who we're talking to. Uh, met him on a shoot. We'll keep that shoot anonymous, but long story short, got to meet you on a shoot. Uh, oh, yeah, I think you could talk about it. It don't matter. Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter. We'll just leave it, because maybe I released this before and stuff like okay. that. I don't want to blow their thing up. But um, yeah, met you at uh, the MSU bull riding. Uh, what, what was Practice. That? Practice. And yeah, just got to know you. Thought your story was interesting. Obviously, somebody else did too. That's why I was there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just wanted to pick your brain here. So I appreciate you coming on, man. No, heck yeah. Thanks for having me. I um, enjoy them. What'd you say? I enjoy these. It was yeah. fun. Um, so that's going to be a problem with me not having the headphones yeah. on. Like, wait, what? Um, yeah, so uh, I'll ask again. Um, you, you said you're not born and raised here? Nope. Where are you from? I'm from Williston, North Dakota. Oh, wow. Yeah. When did you move here? Uh, two years ago. Yeah? Yeah. Nice, man. Pandemic baby here. Hell yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. Uh, what brought you out here? Uh, girlfriend. Oh, yeah? Yeah, she, she was working at the college at the time, and yeah, and I was, at that time, I was going through a divorce. Mm. At the, basically done with it, just waiting for paperwork and stuff, but I could come out here, and I've always wanted to live out here. It's, this place has always been beautiful. I I think the, the latest time I recall coming out here was in 2010 for a, I think it was a New Year's bull ride and and yeah as I just love this spot it's been badass since I moved here and it just never disappoints. How how different from your from your hometown North Dakota is it? Oh, way different. I I grew up kind of on the plains there. It's flat, windy just nothing much to do like if you like farming and hunting there's a lot but i don't know i like hiking and i i enjoy the mountains more i guess me personally so north dakota is not quite my style <laughs> so, <laughs> i think it's very flat. few people's style yeah, yeah yeah and it's cold man like right now it's probably negative it's usually 10 degrees colder than here yeah on yeah, average. On average. Yeah. And then you got to throw in at least 10 to 20 mile an hour wind chill in there. <sighs> Dude, I mean, we're about to get, what, negative 36 here in, like, yeah, tomorrow? tomorrow. So we'll be, we'll be touching on what you guys probably get a little bit more regularly. Yeah. <laughs> they, they've been like that since two days ago. Yeah. My sister woke up. It's been negative at least 15, 20s every morning. That's wild, man. So. That's wild. I, I, there was this guy in my gym today. I guess he's just passing through. He's a flight attendant. He comes in all bundled up. And I didn't know this. I just He was just like, comes in. He's like, is it always cold here? I was like, oh, maybe someone who just moved here from California or whatever. Yeah. And we're doing our 
work out next to each other and he introduces himself and I'm like, yeah, where, where, you, where you live? He's like, oh, I live in South, Southeast Florida. And I'm like, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, I'm on like a four day layover. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a flight attendant. Yeah. And I was just like, dang. He's like, is it usually this cold? I'm like, buddy, you're coming in the wrong. It is cold yeah. right now. Yeah. No, so. it's, <laughs> I always love watching people. The highest of the cold right now, or mm-hmm. the lowest of the coldest, I guess you'd say. Yeah. But yeah, it's insane how cold it gets at times. But and and I imagine like you kind of alluded to it though. Like one thing that I've always told people because I've been doing this this thing for 14 years, living out west from my hometown of Philadelphia. Yeah. Like I tell people, I'm like, if you're not going to figure out how to like recreate in the winter time you might as well not live here. Yeah. You know, you might as well not live in these cold places. Cause what are you doing to yourself? Yeah, you know? No, you won't like it. No, you definitely won't like it. You'll hate yourself for sure. Um, yeah. So I kind of, you know, what I'm most curious about is, uh, you know, if we just go back in time a little bit, how did, um, you know, I, I'd like to just kind of hear about, you know, home life and growing up in that part of, uh, part of the country and uh, kind of like what sparked you getting into all this bull riding. Oh shoot! Growing up, I in Williston, it's it's just a very. I actually grew up in Trenton. Was born in Williston. Born, or raised up in Trenton High School there, and just going to school and just a small town school. I think our class was only like thirteen kids. Oh my god! Like it, it's small and yeah, just a little Class B school in North Dakota and and my parents were in the rodeo my dad was a bull rider so we went to rodeos as a child and yeah it's just my dad was a bull rider so i was like well shoot i gotta try to ride bulls so they threw me on a sheep and then it's very addictive like it's just the adrenaline rush and all that it's i don't know it's uh, it's hard to get rid of i guess so then you go up to the sheep riding and then steer riding, high school, and then you can dibble dabble in the pros if you want. And that I took out, took that route after high school. I didn't go to college. Um, I went and got a construction job, building or uh, like pouring concrete and building basements, and doing that stuff for about two and a half, three years. <clears throat> then the oil boom kicked off in my hometown in Williston, so I ended up getting into oil field, did roustabout for like seven months and figured out that's that's some tough work. It's brutal and it's long hours. Like it's those guys get paid big bucks for a reason. Yeah. And then I went into like a valve tech pressure testing and did that for like a year and a half, two years. And while I was doing that, I was climbing the ranks of the PBR, which is a professional bull riding. And, yeah, I figured out I could make money riding bulls and not have to work if I really put effort into it and try. And, yeah, I actually got on tour, they call it, which is a top 35 in the world. And then after, like, two years on, you get sponsorships eventually. But that was the biggest thing for me i had a lady help me out say hey here you go go chase your dream because at that time like two years in that oil field job i was gone every weekend like fridays and at least 
I'd be gone a Friday or Monday, sometimes both Friday and Monday. And yeah, <laughs> they didn't like that, but I understood it because I was gone a lot. So I was like, oh, I'll try riding bulls. So she gave me a little extra cash to pay my bills for a little bit. And then it was just rocking and rolling. After that, I figured out how to how to make more money at it. <laughs> just got better, I guess. I mean, that's that's what I'm curious about, you know, like not even from you, but from anybody. It's like I know I know like the farm leagues for baseball, for football, for all that stuff, right? Growing up in the East Coast, it's like you see all that sports. It's like having chances to put kids in these prep schools and yeah. the other thing. What is that? What what's the closest similarity for bull riding to that? Like, you know what I mean? Like it's not really attached to school. Right, it's no, this thing. like even like my little school, we didn't have like a rodeo team. There's only certain high schools actually consider rodeo a sport, and like you're saying, yeah, it's not really attached to much other than just the culture itself. And yeah, I think that's the best way to describe it, just a culture. And if you grow up in that, it's a big family. Like, mm -hmm. and once you start expanding and traveling out the world and the u.s like it's you just your family gets bigger it's crazy and everybody kind of watches out for everybody and it's it's a unique sport super unique sport man uh i was blown away like because that was really some of my like I, i've been to a couple rodeos you know yeah uh, just living out west naturally going to these things right whatever but like going behind the scenes to watch how you're training people you know we'll get to that later but like that was like what was addicting to it you know like just yeah. the pure power behind it you know kind of tell me like that feeling that it is to be on the back of a bull uh the basically the whole the whole feeling preparation going into a bull ride like you go into the arena you kind of just chill laid back and then you get ready get all your equipment on kind of playing some pump up music like that's your kind of warm up and usually yeah most guys do warm up and do some like little exercise after get taped up and stuff and then about five six minutes before you go kind of you go put your rope on your bull once he's loaded in the chute or in the alleyway and then you got about two three minutes roughly before it's go time and then me i i like to stay calm and cool I, that's what worked for me like not getting too amped up if i got too amped up i was overreacting or doing too much to where if I stayed calm, I was better on in rhythm, I guess with them. Yeah. How'd you, how'd you stay calm? Uh, I figured out like a breathing technique kind of just what it was. I just held four sec or held my breath for four seconds, breathe in for four seconds and breathe out as long as you can kind of, but at least four seconds. So four, four, four. Yeah. Interesting. And, yeah, do that until your heart rate kind of calms down and really focus on bringing your heart rate down and just living in the moment. And then you you sit on top of that bull in, in the gate. Yeah. And then it's it's go time. Yeah. Strap yourself in, <laughs> take your handle, and scoot up and get your position, and, yeah. I mean, walk me through, like, that, that feeling. Because, again, like, for me, it's so 
foreign to me right and like watching these kids like when we were there watching these kids like right there and your eyes are all holding that rope ready to pull that gate like yeah that feeling of like giving them the head nod that you're ready like walk me through the big anticipation right before like yeah once you're in the shoot like you climb over the shoot and that's like usually like you're saying like the high intensity because it's matter of like two minutes it's go time from start of your preparation of getting in there and getting a seat and putting your hand in a rope and then taking your wrap and then sliding up and nodding your head and the shoot gate opens. So that whole experience there, that's what I mean. I, I like to stay calm and just stay breathing and just stay focused on either whatever I'm struggling with, which would be like in bull riding terms would be getting off your ass or your rear end and our focus on getting your elbow down your free arm or just terminology to most people probably wouldn't make sense but that's what it means to us to basically stay aggressive or slow down a little bit yeah and then just react nod my head and just react and trust all my abilities and my training that'll i'll get through it i th- i think the training is the thing that you look at like you know, I got real hooked on that Drive to Survive show, like yeah. on Netflix, right? The Formula yeah. One, and I just didn't realize that like these guys were working out so hard. And I'm like, wait, you're sitting in a seat all day, but that doesn't matter. It's all of these other things, these micro, you know, yeah. throwing a ball off the wall, catching things that they have to to like keep that their senses sharp. Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of training did you have to go through, or were you continually doing to stay, you know, bull ride ready, bull riding ready, or whatever <laughs> you want to call it? I'm going to sound like uh, such a noob on this podcast talking to, about this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically, just stay in riding shape, we'd call it. Yeah. And on basically, just get on. But, like, there is a barrel, like a drop barrel that it's a mechanic. So, there's some mechanic and some are just kind of like levers that go up and down. But it's just a thing that imitates a bull kicking up and going down. And you just imitate the moves to basically dance with them that's the best way to mm. do it because you got to match their moves every move you got to have a counter move for it and that's what i mean by staying calm and not thinking too much right before the shoot gate opens is because it's um uh word i'm thinking of just all on your your reactions you're mm. not game planning nothing or setting up a game plan because usually if you do that you'll fall into it and it goes bad yeah but and for everyone listening to this uh, mechanical versus non the one that i saw at the msu was basically just this barrel with springs attached right? yeah like you were on like an old one of those like seesaw horses or when yep. you're a kid you know one of those horses with springs yeah exactly <laughs> i was like okay you know, bull riding's come a long way, but we still got this as their training. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of different barriers. There's a, like I said, there's a mechanical one where it's all motorized, where you just push a button and it goes by itself up and down. Yeah. You you said uh, that your dad was in um, the rodeo, right? Yeah. Did he did he ride? Yeah, he rode bulls. Yeah. Yeah. So was that kind of one of the inspiration points yeah, for that, you? Yeah, that was. A, all the inspiration I needed to ride bulls. And yeah. then I got addicted and hooked. And once you get that little bit of success is very addicting. And mm. 
once you have that adrenaline rush with success mixed into it, it's like cocaine. That's it's very addicting. Especially then you add in like shoot riding at Thomas and Mac or T Mobile in Vegas. Yeah. Or Madison Square Garden in New York at yeah. Just amplifies it even that much more. It's just very addicting. Yeah, so Dad's in Rodeo inspires you to get into it. You get into it. Is he kind of there helping guide you through this, like with the ways to do it, the you know the things to look out for? Like, does that kind of get the hand me down? Uh through my childhood, yeah, yeah. all the way probably till high school. Um, I don't know. It wasn't. Yeah, it was high school. It was my sophomore year. Um, he told me to do something. Like he told me to pull my rope really tight, because mm. this bull, if you do that, I can't remember what he said the bull would do. But and for that reason, my hand, like I, <laughs> I got kind of hung up in it, and I blame. It's not all his fault, but I blamed on him. I ended up dislocating my elbow, my like, my left. <clears throat> So I hold on with my left arm, hand, and then my right leg come up over and kind of like hit my elbow and just dislocated my elbow. Oh, while you're in mid-ride? Yeah, while still like oh, riding. And that's yeah. how like my leg hit my elbow is how my hand come out of the rope. And then I come off and hit the ground and I got up and looked down. Yeah, my elbow was just, lower half of my arm just dangling. There. Oh my God. So I grab it and just take off and. We go to the ambulance and had to get put under to get it put back in and then went home and, yeah, there went the football season for <laughs> high school football. Were you playing football as well? Yeah, I played football and basketball in high school. Yeah. How were you there? Uh, football, I was running back. I didn't play very much my freshman and junior. Yeah. Our sophomore. And my junior year, I played a little bit here and there. Yeah. Uh, actually, I, that's when I played all – I played running back and I was pretty good. I was I don't know. I had quite a few good games. Yeah. Quite a few touchdowns and stuff. But my senior year I didn't get to play because of bull riding. Really? I broke my jaw right before my senior year. <sighs> yeah. Jeez. Oh yeah. Um bull riding you broke it. Yep. God man. Um That was before I rode with a helmet. What did the what did your what did your peers what did the other kids think while you were bull riding and stuff like that? I guess it was I mean there's thirteen I, I was, of you in a in a class. They, they didn't really, I don't. Know, I guess it was kind of normal because my family already. I had an older brother. He already rode bulls and stuff, so it just kind of normal because he did it, and I don't know, just follow your father or your older brother's footsteps. Really, just yeah. Kinda try to be like them, so. I tried it, and like I said, it's it's very addicting. And actually, <laughs> come to find out, I'm actually pretty good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say so, man. Yeah. You got people doing little documentary pieces on you. Got me having a podcast. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like that's what's that's what's fascinating to me is that you know taking the non traditional routes in life is always. I mean, it's kind of why this podcast exists. I want to talk to people because they took non-traditional routes. Yeah. And I guess to some sort of weird way, it validates my decisions in some like <laughs> thing that I'm reaching for, you know, because yeah. I didn't, you know, I graduated high school, but I didn't go to college. Yeah. You know, I didn't take the conventional way, just exactly. like you not yeah. taking the conventional way. I'm curious as to like, when you started going down this thing and you start working kind of these 
blue collar, like hard work and jobs. Yeah. You know, was there parts of you that kept thinking like, I should, I should bail out of this. I should kind of get some shit straight. I should go this way. Or was it always just like pedal the metal? Like we're fucking going. It was, it was just, <laughs> I don't know if it was, I don't know. My dad gave, gave me, I don't know if it was always go, 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 but the, how I'd answer your question is my dad gave me one free summer to live at the house. And after that, because I, I wasn't going to college at that time, after I graduated high school, he's like, I'll give you one free summer since you ain't going to college. You can live here for free. But after that, come September, you got to pay rent. And it was only like two, 200 or 250 It wasn't much. Like, yeah. But he's like, if you're going to live at home, you're going to pay rent. And I was like, all right. So I lived at home for probably like four, probably like six months maybe at the most. And I was like, screw this. If I'm living at home, I'm gonna, or if I'm going to be paying to live at home, I'm going to go get a place myself. So. Yeah. I went out, got, I think I moved in with a buddy, then eventually I ended up getting an apartment of my own and in town and stuff. And then I think that helped me to realize the goal of living. And if I want to get something, I got to get it. Yeah. If I want something, I guess I got to do it. Nobody's going to do it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's silver spoon put into your mouth for that yeah. one. Yeah, man. I, and, and that and and to understand that at an early age, you know, eighteen, nineteen, whatever you were, like it's just like this very formative time to like be able to be like, hey, yeah. parents are only giving me three or four months. Dad's only giving me three or four months to be here. Then I gotta like pay my way. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a very like, it's tough love. But yeah. At the same it, time, you're like, okay, like I said, I'm gonna go live somewhere. So you move out of that house, move in. You moved in with a buddy. You said moved with a buddy for probably a couple months, and then. I ended up getting an apartment in town for like a year or so. Yeah. And then this is all while I was still working and riding bulls on the weekends. And yeah. then I eventually my cousin got in a divorce and I ended up getting their place out of the divorce for a good deal. Yeah. It was just an acre of land and a trailer house. And yeah, I got that out of there, <coughs> that and. I kept that for. Should I still have that? Actually, still got that. Yeah, <laughs> actually turned that into a rental property. My sister rents that for me now. That's awesome, man. Still have that asset, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I was there until I actually moved here. I lived there, kind of. Yeah. I partially lived down in Texas, like in the winters. Right. So you could fall. Yeah, while I was riding in the PBRs and stuff, so I could fly out easier. Didn't have to deal with. This kind of weather. Or <laughs> yeah. they're de-icing a plane and you're five hours late for leaving. Exactly. So. Oh, or I got a story for that. Yeah. I yeah. froze to the ground once. What's up? Our plane froze to the ground. Oh, yeah? In Dickinson, North Dakota. Me and my <laughs> buddy were trying to fly out to California somewhere. I think we're going to Sacramento. But, yeah, it was at 5 a.m. in the morning and they couldn't push us off the ground. The push bar broke trying to push it back. The tires actually froze to the tarmac. Yeah, so we got delayed like three hours. Dude, there's only a few places in this country that will hit that temperature <laughs> and that kind of situation. And North Dakota is absolutely one of them. Montana, mm-hmm. North Dakota, a select few, man. That's crazy. Froze to the ground. Yeah. And so you guys were late, obviously, getting to your spot. <laughs> yeah, we got to – actually, it was Sacramento. Yeah, we flew in and we got there. 
normally you get there like midday and the events and the evenings like seven o'clock at night <clears throat> and we got in there at 5 40 i think and we got to the event right before introductions and you had to be there before introduction otherwise you got fined because that's part of the whole thing you know yeah they find you for not being there for the introduction huh yeah because well the fans are there to see you so yeah if you're not out there that it's a part disappointing of the, yeah so you know again fascinated by this whole sequence of events you get on your own you eventually get this you know this acre land trailer you know at some point you're moving into your 21 but you're still following bull riding you're doing all this you know hard labor yeah but you're starting to figure out okay i'm gonna start moving towards bull riding you get help from that woman who gives you some cash to yeah. do this does it then does it then just become okay i'm full in it now we're living the lifestyle like what what age were you when like you that were was like, about 24 24 23 24 yeah and Letting go of that job and focusing fully, fully on bull riding, like what was that experience like? That was a, <clears throat> it was a weird transition, our transition, because I wasn't, I was used to the structure of waking up every morning and going to work for eight hours or not, if not ten or twelve. But, um, yeah, it was, I don't know, it was good in a way because I like sleeping in actually. So <laughs> everybody does in their twenties. Who doesn't? Yeah. Um, I still like sleeping in. Yeah, <laughs> I still do too. But it was, it was great for a certain amount of time, and then I hit a slump. They call it in bull riding, and it went down. Like the earnings went down, I guess, and not it went down. Like the financials went down, so I had to f- grind my way back out of that. And at one point in time, I got, I only had. After I quit the job, I wasn't quite on tour yet, like the top 35 in the world. Mm. I got on a couple times, and then, yeah, and then I quit my job, and then <laughs> I made it to the world finals that year as an alternate, and then that next year, I didn't get to go to the televised tour. I had to work my way from the bottom up again, and that was pretty tough. It, that's where I had to actually go get a job. I helped my buddy's dad and him. They had an electrical business, and I was driving like hour and a half, hour to go help them just to try to get some money to get down the road to go to the next bull riding. And it was actually, what was? Uh, it was like in May, early May. I only had like $1,500 in bank account. Married at that time. And I was, I didn't say nothing to her. And I was like, shoot, me and my buddy, because me and my buddy had this run plan. We were going to go to Colorado and then drive down to, like, in between, I think it's Paula, California. It's in between L.A. and San Diego somewhere. Mm. And I was like, I'm not going to say anything because she'll friggin' be like, no, you can't go because that's all the money we got. Like, save that. I was like, screw this, I'm roll the dice, I'm gonna try and get it back and went to Pueblo and we I got bucked off bad. I got six, seven seconds. And I'm like at this time I'm like at like the cut line. They say I'm just about to break the top thirty five to get on the televised tour and I just can't get enough money to get on because that's how it is 
or that's how it was then. I don't know. It was points then, not money. It was points to get on tour, and I couldn't get on. I just couldn't break the top 35 for the longest time. And I was going broke doing it. And then after Pueblo, we drove all the way, just me and him, all night because we had to ride the next night in Paula, California. And then I ended up actually winning that bull riding. I won like four. Yeah. It was four last five weekends. I had I lost one weekend, but I had three in a row. I won three weekends in a row, and I just climbed the standing. I was like like thirty. I was in the top. I was thirtieth at that time. And then after the summer, the televised tour starts again. And then I made on tour rest of the year. Then I never fell off until COVID, twenty twenty, and I. Yeah. I, last time I fell off tour, like, get bumped below 35th in the world. Below 35th? Yeah. Wow. That's crazy, man. Um, that was in 2014. 14 to 20. Yeah. That's a great run. Yeah. It's a hell of a run. Now, you got $1,500 in your bank account. You're not telling your wife. What's fueling that desire to keep going forward i mean obviously it's like there's there's this passion of you wanting to bull ride and make it right that determination like yeah. what it was that what was fueling this like tell me explain to me like because that's a that's a that's a ballsy move man uh, you know any any guy knows that it's a ballsy move i'm just curious on that because i think that that's well, an important thing to hear you know it is like if you go back and you look at it um i had success at that sport i got to taste a little bit of the, like the being like it's like getting to the NFL for one game you know or even just say one quarter of a game like I got to taste that here and there and then I don't know I think it was just that knowing that I got there once I could do it again so I just kept digging deeper and deeper and trying just trying new things and harder and <laughs> the funny thing is it's it's weird. It's hard to explain. The less you try, the easier it is, kind of. Hmm. But I get like, that. It's kind of like in golf. Like the if you try to swing harder, the you'll shank it or whatever. But if you just do it nice and smooth, it's easy. Like, excuse me, eight oh five is getting to me. <laughs> Sponsored by eight oh five Cerveza. But. Yeah, like that's what I mean. Like if that's why I figured out being calm like that kind of worked for me, and that's what helped me elevate my game to the next level and stay up there for so long. Yeah. What is what <clears throat> is that margin that the people in the top thirty-five, say even the top five, are doing so differently than the people who are just on the cusp, like yourself? Like, what is that? What is those differences that's happening? Um, one of them is just being on elder being there for so long because I'm a, there's probably always like 10 guys that's been on tour for at least five to eight years on tour. They've been on, they're like the veterans, you know? Yeah. So you always have 10 of those guys roughly or give or take. So it, it just takes being old helps. Because you've been there, done that. So those guys got an advantage on you. 
But when you're young like that, like grinding it out, it's just the resilience. And mm. I had a lot of doubters saying, I, like, they wouldn't say it directly, but I know, like, they didn't think I could do it. And because I come from a small town, small community, and it's just, it was prove them guys wrong, mm. honestly, and prove to myself that you can be somebody from, doesn't matter where you're from, honestly. Yeah. So, just that drive is powering itself. Yeah. To to feel like you're this, that you, that you don't come from the, the normal world that some of these other guys are all being bred from, right? These places in Texas. I'm sure you could rattle off some places that are meccas, right? Yeah, it's like, like Stephenville and around that area. Right, it's, and you come from the outside on a, on a no-name place, and you're this no-name person. You essentially got this target on your back for those those naysayers and those doubters and those other people, huh? I wouldn't say like I wouldn't say any of the bull riders were any. I didn't let any of that get in her. It's more like family and all that proving them wrong that oh I really do it. Oh yeah. So it was even it wasn't even the bull riding. No. It, was your, it was your own personal family. Yeah, my Whoa. family. Yeah. Wow. You thought that that would be support, but just no. Sometimes it no. Can there was way. there's there's both on each like there's yeah. everybody has. I don't care who you are. You have one part of your family likes you not one but the you'll have that one somebody on there that's doesn't like you or mm. not say they don't like you but they're just there's jealousy naysayers maybe i guess yeah. like yeah. jealousy yeah yeah they just don't think you got it in you or whatever yeah and maybe they're right i don't know but i was proving them wrong but i love those people we need those people oh yeah because that's exactly what fueled you exactly that's what i love i had someone like that very close <clears throat> to me in my personal life yeah that fueled me to become what i am right now as far as filmmaking it's not anything grandiose not a steven spielberg necessarily <laughs> but i was able to accomplish in my the things in my life due to the chip on my shoulder from yeah. this person and like i'm very thankful that that was something i was able to to utilize as fuel no yeah i got a lot of chips on my shoulders. <laughs> Literally a, and, and it's, physically, yeah. Yeah. Metaphorically and it, physically. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it's like the ones that feel you the most, I think, are the ones that are more personable. And whether that is family or friends. Yeah. Um, I think those get at each and every one of us. Mm. And that's what we either don't want to be or want to prove them wrong so we're going to do whatever it is yeah and we're going to try that much harder and dig that much deeper into whatever craft or whatever it is you need to get into you're trying to get into so yeah we need those people yeah those naysayers out there because yeah if i didn't hear i couldn't do it or if i was living out of my means and stuff like that i wouldn't be where i was or i am today like yeah no, absolutely, man. That, that that is the truth. Um, and and speaking of family, you know, you said the the, the community of bull riding is a family, and sense, yeah. you know, and just like that family, there's toxicity in it. There's love in it. There's all these oh, things. Exactly. You know, you start going full time into this whole journey. Like, talk to me about kind of the connections you start building. You know, is it like you said there was one of your friends that you were traveling with from place to place more often? Like, what did that look like? Because I'm sure things on on your own got a little bit interesting, right? While you're sitting there and going to hotels, you're going to these big events, oh, like the high yeah. afterwards of winning a race, right? Yeah, oh, winning a race, winning winning a ride, winning a what do you guys call it? Bull Com ride, bull ride, competition. Yeah. Again, but 
Doesn't sound like a noob on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> also, you got one of the 805s. I kind of want to try one. Yeah. 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 Crack one. I'm going to have a whole bar cart by the time I'm done this podcast uh, <laughs> series. The varieties. Oh, yeah. I got, I'm got. i asking all the people what kind of drinks they want. And people are like, whiskey? Yeah. I'm like, all right, I'll go get whiskey. <laughs> um, but what were you asking about the I was life? asking about kind of the family dynamic inside oh. of inside of the the bull riding community inside of the bull riding community yeah and just like kind of what what transpired after you fully went from working part-time bull riding part-time to then full bull riding part-time yeah that's <clears throat> the full bull riding full-time got me to go in i don't know it got me everything i i got in life right now as so far in my life for for damn sure like put in perspective i i got to ride the madison square garden i rode mm-hmm. there probably like nine times i've got to ride at the staples center or i don't know what they call it but in la la staples center yeah Yeah. arlington texas the cowboy stadium got to ride there just got to ride in a lot of unique places i got bull ridings took me to all them places to brazil all over canada whoa i won the canadian national title so i got this coat in PBR in 2014 and where else oh yeah Australia like all the way to Australia huh yeah wow I didn't realize it went that international yeah yeah you could see like Mexico Canada being right on our borders yeah. and stuff but whoa so what what was the what was the biggest one to get to was it was it the Staples Center was it you know it's the was it World the Finals, team? which would be the T-Mobile now in Vegas. In Vegas? Yeah, Vegas is the Finals. Didn't they just have that? That's couple, the couple. MFR. It's a different... Oh, that's, that's a That's a whole thing. rodeo. It's, it has all the events in rodeo. Bull ride, the horses. It wasn't the PBR. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Where the PBR is just strictly bull riding. Yeah. Do you, do you remember <clears throat> your first big arena? Oh, yeah. Which, I, what one was that? The first big event I went to is in Kansas City. Kansas City? Yeah. Yeah. What was that like? It was crazy. I, I rode my first bull. I was so scared. I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't like. I didn't know anybody either, really, there, because I wasn't never been there before. And all those guys, you just see them on TV every weekend, and it's like, uh, <laughs> you're kind of starstruck, you know. You just, I just mind my own business and making sure I wasn't looking like a rookie out there. Yep. But, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's got me a lot in life, and mm. it's taught me everything I know, but just like you, I bet you can relate to anything. I run everything back to bull riding, relate mm. everything I know back to bull riding some way. I call that, like, kind of that North Star that we have to refer to. You know, it's like everything, even if it's very far of a stretch of a, of a of an analogy or if it's some sort of comparison, it's a far stretch. Like I can bring it back to my snowboarding days. You know what I mean? And just the, the, you know, I was living in an RV for four, four years in Colorado and working, just trying to make sure I could do this full time. Yeah. So it's like, it is all in a comparison, but you just kind of revert back to and go, okay, this is my safe spot. This is what I know. This is where I'm most calm. Like the world around me, I can function now if I bring myself back. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, that's fascinating, man. So you go to Kansas City, you rode your first bull, and like, that's where I'm most confused. And you might have to just walk, <laughs> explain it to me like I'm five, Michael All Scott right. style. Okay. 
you can ride a bull and stay on it the whole time. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean like it's like it's like pipe contests and, and surfing. It's like you can ride that pipe, but like you're not going to score the yeah. ten out of ten. But that guy just did it before you and got a ten out of ten. Like, yeah. what is that difference? What am I missing when I know that you wrote it? The score. The scoring. You know yeah. what I mean? Is it, it like walk me through how they kind of do all that? <coughs> the scoring is based off of. <coughs> excuse me. You good? You're gonna um, too. I got this thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, what the hell? Scoring is based off of 50% on the bulls and 50% on the rider. And 50% on the bull and how well he bucks. And that's all determined on, like, the kick of his back legs, how far they extend and how far his front legs come off the ground. And if he spins, if he got multiple directions, like, there's a lot of variables into that. And same with the bull rider. Like, it's how well he's in control and... If he's spurring, and spurring is if you lift the leg, one of your legs up, and hit the bull in the ribs just to show that you're in control and dominating, basically. It's like showing off, kind of. Mm. Um, but other than that, it's just off of how well you're ra- matching their moves and how well controlled you are. And the only thing is you can only ride one hand to your bull rope. The other hand has to be up in the air. And, Yeah. So even touching the bull with the other hand can be disqualification. A, can be a DQ. Oh yeah. Wow. It is. Yeah. It is a DQ. Even if they, like, if you're out over the front of them, and they throw their horn, hits you in the forearm or something, disqualified. So it's keeping that. It's keeping like, you that arm. Watch. Up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You gotta watch it around you. Know wow. your awareness and stuff. That's fascinating. But man. sometimes, yeah, it just happens. There's nothing you can do. Stuff right. is going on so fast. It's. Yeah. It's crazy. But once the poetry in it all is when you can slow it down. Yeah. And enjoy it. <laughs> but in real life, it's going fast. Yeah. And so that crowd there, that everyone's just hyping you up. And there's obviously nerves going through and stuff like that. And so you get into this bull, you, you ride it and stuff, and you come off of that. Does that just fuel that adrenaline that much more? To no, like, that, that's, what you're, that's what you're thriving for. Right yeah. There. There's... Basically, you get on the bull, ride him for eight seconds, you dominate him, you jump off, hopefully land on your feet, get away safely. Yeah. And just hear that crowd roar and just, it's dominating a, a an animal anywhere from 1,800 pounds roughly to 2,000 pounds. Mm. And you don't, like, you were in control and, like, uh, like I say, dominating him for eight seconds. And then you walk away unharmed. It gets pretty powerful. Feeling. It's super powerful. And, you know, and I'm not alluding to you in this, but yeah. I do know that I've heard stories of, you know, because you guys do such an adrenaline-packed, you know, sport, Yeah, that when you these events are over, people like to take that, extra energy and party hard you know was that was that was that kind of an underbelly of that whole culture of oh being part yeah of it? We yeah were, bull riders are partiers yeah, yeah. oh yeah <laughs> just, you, just a little you, bit you, you party there's like nowadays there's getting to be guys that treat it like a professional sport and not but like i'm not saying they don't party they just do it at the right times mm. not the night before the night of they probably wait till they have the weekend off or something but for the majority, yeah, the, everybody goes out the night of. 
Yeah. And just and that's every sport. It, goes it's out every, and, yeah. it's everything. So there's a, there's actually an old it's kind of like a, it's kind of an old way of celebrating celebrating versus you said there's this new trend, this new way of looking at bull riding which is like people are taking a lot more seriously probably looking at like the science behind everything. Oh yeah, science and Yeah, actually, tell me the evolution of like what you're seeing right now from the sport. Oh, it's it's crazy growing cuz the PBR is really growing and they're trying to elevate it into like a team sport to where the original bull riders individually sport forever is always man versus bull and then every man versus every man. Mm. Um, but now they're trying to do this team deal and trying to get that going and where you have five guys like a basketball team against one team. You have five on each team and then who's ever scores the rider scores aggregate score are all their scores put together that team wins whoa the game and then each night like they each night each team will go against one another and then on the second night they'll go against a different team and on the third night or that's it and then they'll have a short round if they have any tiebreakers on the scores and stuff, yeah, that short round score is a tiebreaker. Whoa! So it's like Team A versus Team B versus Team C, yeah. and like these guys are all like five, 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 mm-hmm. like all going against each other, putting their people up against it. They gotta go to tiebreaker. Yeah. We're gonna put, you know, it's kind of like uh, your <laughs> penalty kicks or yeah, your, it's all heads up to you. Like yeah, they got they'll have one one guy go on one team, and then they'll have one guy go on another team. Hmm. They just go alternate back and forth through the five yeah and then yeah they usually so this year is the first year doing it and it's been looking like it you have your media like one of your solid guys at the start and then kind of your beginner guy at the middle and at the end you got your number one guy mm. like that's your franchise guy is what you call it your captain wow at the end your closer yeah and yeah, yeah it's been closer. Yeah, <laughs> it's been unique to see how they've been trying to structure all that and stuff. And yeah, but just going back to how the sport's been growing, like the Bulls have the how difficult the Bulls have been getting through the years is crazy. They've been getting because they they're getting it down to genetically breeding them to now they they've got papers. I think three generations back now so whether they can go back and trace and like look back to what what bull was all right it's more than three generations maybe it's three generations i don't know yeah i don't know <laughs> it don't matter don't quote me on that well it, you're you're already documented by saying it so you know <laughs> anyways they go back they got all the genetics of it and then, yeah they got it down to guys are breeding and to this bull with this certain cow and like mix matching and, yeah. and stuff. So it's it's gotten a lot better and elevated the bull's talent tremendously. Yeah. And then that's what I meant where the riders are, they're acting like it's a real sport and taking that to the next level. And they're actually now with the team deals they got most of them got a trainer now or mm. somebody like that, a trainer or yoga person or somebody helping them coach hey yoga person 
Well, there's some guys, sense, some, yeah. some guys don't even do anything, and I was one of them guys. I used to didn't do anything. Like when yeah. I first got on, I didn't I didn't work out. I went to the gym and ran on a treadmill for Just 10 cardio. minutes. Yeah. yeah, did some sit-ups, did a little bit of weights, and did that for like three weeks, and then did it for another two weeks, and then did like I wasn't consistent with it, so I really couldn't call it that I worked out. Yeah. I just went to the gym when I felt like I needed to. Yeah. Which, I don't know. Mentally, I guess it benefited me, but yeah, long termly, it doesn't. Like it, it didn't. It wasn't like I put some muscle on. Yeah, I mean, who's to say, right? Who's to say that the person working out all the time is the person cracking that top thirty-five, and versus like you not cracking the top thirty-five? Yeah. I'm just speaking like no, that's just a hypothetical. That's 100. Just because at that time, the two-time world champion JB Mooney, like he was. The rocks. He lived the rock star life where he'd party all night, and then just wake up next morning, not be that hungover, and then do it all over again. Didn't phase him. Like some people can just yeah, shoot and rally, man. Exactly. It's just insane. And then the working out, like nobody really worked out back then, so it was like kind of foreign, even. Yeah. To do it. And, who likes? I don't. I still don't like working out, but now I work out four days a week. It's crazy how much. Yeah. My life's changed since. Yeah. The start of it to where, when I had to retire, what I was doing. Yeah. From the start, yeah. I want to get to the retirement because that, that's what I've been leading up to in a lot of ways. But you kept saying they're treating it like a sport. Did you not see it as a sport? What it would, and if you didn't, <laughs> what did you I, look at it as? That's just my yeah. Now that you say that, maybe it was just my eyes. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't. I just treat it. I treat it as, I guess, a sport kind of, but not a professional like football players, like the NFL or mm. like the NBA or any of them where those guys are making big dollars and actually waking up and working out and actually grinding it out and had a system mm. built to where that's kind of what I was doing at the end. Yeah. So you almost started morphing into the fact you almost started morphing into the fact that it was a sport for you because you started to adapt towards this thing being like if I work out if I do this if I do this and make it a regimented thing like that basketball yeah. player yeah it kind of turned into that for basically you. it was just raw talent yeah <laughs> honestly just raw talent off of because I grew up around in the Western lifestyle like my grandparents had a ranch and we broke my dad broke horses and stuff and so I. I had a great time, or a great childhood of being around horses and bulls and stuff like that. So I had all that leading up to my adulthood, and then it was just raw talent. And I went to one bull riding school and kind of used some techniques in my own little design kind of philosophy of it, and ran with that. And that that's how that's what it become. And then eventually I've started mixing in working out a lot more into my diet, I guess you'd call it. Yeah. To your lifestyle. Yeah. D it's funny because I had literally just had this exact same conversation with a friend yesterday. Yeah. And I was like, being part of the snowboard world, there was these kids who just, just like J.B. Mooney, maybe just like yourself, would party, boot and rally, yeah. wake up, win these contests. Oh, yeah because they had natural talent. Mm -hmm. However, in the long haul, the, yeah. in, in the marathon version, 
they weren't going to overtake the person who was diligently working out their body to have the stamina by the time it's late season and there's like the last contest, those people are prevailing versus them. I'm curious, did you, when you look back at it all, would you wish you had done something a little bit differently as far as that? And it doesn't have to be necessarily like focusing on this working out topic that we're talking about, but would you, would you have played it a little bit differently knowing that, wow, as I became stronger and worked out my, like, you know, my, my, my skills in all these factions, would you have wished you did that in the beginning of it all to like have that kind of crack the top 35 sooner? Or are you, you know, still stoked that you did it the way you did it? Oh, I'm, I'm not mad about the way I did it, uh, but like the one regret, I wish I would have figured out how to get into a system, of, like a program, a working out program like I am now, where it's structured around like back when I was getting ready to ride, I was, I was structured around strength training and like the certain muscles I was using. And at that time, I was really... I come off a shoulder injury and then um, a broken neck. <laughs> but um, it's it's elevated my game tremendously, and I got my consistency got better in my age because of me working out, I think, mm. is the way I could put it. Yeah, you're almost blending this experience of being on tour for so many years with the strength training and those combined almost elevated yeah. the game, which is exactly. what you're saying is like the people that stayed at those top tens, those top fifteens, twenties yeah. were both the age that they were because of being older, yeah. but then also the work that they're putting in for physical elements and yeah. marrying those together, right? Exactly. And then now you say that there's younger kids doing that at a young age and they're they're light years ahead of when I was their age. It's yeah. crazy, yeah. Yeah, it's just the evolution of them learning from us as yeah. getting to be the older generations. I don't, people are probably scoff at me saying older generations, so I'm not that old. But that being said, it's like they've got video, they've got all of this ways of doing these things and yeah. and treating their bodies, and they might not have to have a trainer because you, you can have a trainer on YouTube. Exactly, you can, that's what I was just yeah. going to say. Like, videos probably elevated this game more than anything just because mm-hmm. everything's on YouTube now and actually rodeo is on you can stream bull riding now it's on pluto like it's just handier and if you really want to go back dig dig deep into what how i got better was i watched myself all the time like i broke i got three hours of me riding on my phone really just solid me right every year after every year i'd take all the rides from that year and i'd put them on like a little highlight video and I'd just put some music to it, and that's, I'd watch that all the time. Like I'd watch that probably twice or three times a week because I'd take Epsom salt bass, hot Epsom salt bass oh, soaking them, yeah. and watch those videos and just pick apart what I was doing, what mentally I was thinking in that part. Mm-hmm. Like, if I was scared, why was I scared? Like, should I be scared? Shouldn't I be scared? Or is it just your mind playing with you because it is at times because that's what I figured out if I could shut that out and not be scared and put myself in that position I would ride better but yeah. you gotta you gotta climb over that edge and play with fear <laughs> a lot of fear you're, you're nailing so many things as to why like I 
wanted to have this podcast exist and that's because of that 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 point right there is that you got to climb over that fear you know they're all barriers right they're all these barriers that we look at and every time we hurdle one you know we we think oh man i i I figured it out then you just get to another one and it's a whole different thing and the only thing that makes those barriers smaller to be able to be hurdled is growth and and the experience that you were doing and building confidence on the thing from before Mm -hmm. and so you're getting all of this experience you're taking your epsom salt baths (laughs) (laughs) you're you know you're watching you're growing you're getting better as you get older and then comes your injury uh yeah plenty during but yeah the shoulder injury was when i really flipped the switch on working out i'm working out and what 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 uh what injury was the shoulder injury? What, what came, I dislocated what that? it. So that that wasn't the elbow. This was now the shoulder. Oh yeah, that, that elbow was back. Elbow was when you were a kid. Yeah, yeah. I was a sophomore in high school. Yeah. So then the shoulder injury. Shoulder is something. was in twenty. Yeah, I had surgery in two thousand twenty, December. So you have that. Two thousand what? Twenty. Twenty. When did the neck injury happen? Uh, twenty one August. Cool. Not cool, but cool. Yeah, when you put get... a, I had surgery in December, rehab for six months, come back, rode bulls for two months, broke my neck. So shoulder injury, came back two months after that yeah. was when you got the neck yeah. injury. Can, can you walk me through that day? Like, you know, because like, you were saying when I, I believe you were saying when I talked to you, you were kind of up there. You were up in that upper echelon, you right? Were you in the top? No, not not the this first one, not the first time I broke my neck. No. no. So well, walk me through that first time breaking your neck, because I, I I wanted to hear I want to hear that story. First time I broke my neck, shoot, it was a Sunday, early Sunday perf, which would start at two o'clock in the afternoon, and had to wake up early. It's one of those nights. I went out the night before, not bad. Just went out, had a few beers, just respectfully, had a couple drinks, hung out with the boys. Went back to bed. I think I was in bed by 1 o'clock. Okay. For a yeah. bull rider, is that early? Yeah. I think, t- for me, it is. Like, yeah. I said respectfully. I was in out till <laughs> 3 or 4 in the morning. I was home before the bars closed. Yeah. I think it's pretty respectful. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, woke up. <clears throat> had this bull that I knew was good away from my hand, which would be right in the gate to the right. And, yeah, I just... I don't even know. I, I honestly don't even know much leading up to that because all I remember is what happened after that. What was that? I broke because I broke my neck and yeah, that I, I was. I think I was just too relaxed, and I lost my hand, my grip of my hand, hold my rope come out, and I just fell backwards kind of, and I landed straight on my head. And my feet, like my body come to the side and I twisted and dislocated. I don't know how, you, like they, it dislocated and broke bone off on uh, C, top of C7, in between C7 and C6. And then they fused C7 and 6 and 5. Whoa. Plate and 6 screws. But that happened Sunday. So, sorry, I rewind. Land on my head, get up, 
I walk out of the arena. Like, I get up right away, and I don't think anything's really that wrong. Run out the gate, and I lift my right arm up, and I'm like, ah, it feels like I got pinching, like a big knot in the back of my neck. Mm. Like I slept wrong or something. And I was like, ah, I just don't feel right. And then I grabbed my hat, my cowboy hat, grabbed my rope, went back to the locker room, and went to the sports med. And I went to the locker room, and I, I freaked out in there. That's <laughs> threw my cowboy hat and destroyed that thing. I, I knew, and at that point, I knew something serious was wrong because it had it didn't go away and then mm. it was getting worse, and it was hurting if I moved my I, I couldn't lift my arm up. The adrenaline was leaving you, yeah. and all the pain was yeah, coming. Yeah, exactly. Get on the head there, and then I threw my shit down and took off my stuff because I knew I was gonna like they're gonna test out my neck. Because I knew it was like something wrong with, or something wrong with my neck, and I took my stuff off, went over there, and they were pressure like pushing on my head, and like, can you push and resist and all this stuff? Does it hurt here? Hurt there? And they're like, yeah, you gotta put a collar on. I'm like, fuck. So I put a collar on around my neck and um, tried to navigate who could I catch a ride to Texas with, because. The doctor there is a um, oral surgeon for knee and shoulders at the PBR, specialized in that. So it, he has connections all over Dallas, and he had a connection through to a spying guy, and that happened on probably he made the phone call probably at four or five o'clock in the afternoon Sunday, and I had an appointment Monday morning at eight, and I was in surgery on Wednesday morning. Three days. Yeah. And then, yeah. So they did all the stuff you said, fuse the four, five, six, seven together, correct? Yeah, fuse, yeah. Five, six, seven together. Yeah. So then you get out of there, and what, what's, what, rest of the season's done? You're yeah, recovering? I'm done. Like, yeah. that was in August. End of the season is in um, middle of November, early November. So two months, three months of not being able to. Not. So I, at that point in time, I broke my neck. I was like, well, you know, I can come back from this. It's not that big of a deal. Like, it sucks, Like, but it's bull riding. And I, I know that because I've, I've had multiple injuries going up to that. But, um, yeah, I knew I'd come back from it if I just stuck it out and grinded it out and mm-hmm. stuck to a plan and um, just not worried about anything. And... That's where the big transition and the big push through, I think, was working out was one of them. But in that time, I actually went to therapy, went to the therapist. And yeah, that was probably the breakthrough to help me mentally handle my my own problems and be able to handle, handle them while I was performing at that level, I guess. Mm-hmm. Because where were you at mentally that was sl- making you slip into the to the darker side of things, you know? Because obviously you needed this to kind of get yourself equal, but like, uh, where, where were you going with that? It's pretty much all family mentally. Like I probably should tell you. I don't even know if I told you this before, but like <laughs> it's probably been key to the whole story. But <laughs> just hit, hit me within an hour and five minutes, but I'd do it. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah my my mom passed away when i was 17 
just a senior in high school and then that had its all complications of itself but um yeah just with my dad after like in 2016 I talked he got remarried I don't even know when he got remarried mm. <laughs> that's how bad it is yeah um but yeah I haven't talked to him since 2016 really yeah mm. so I had a, a lot of family issues to deal with and mentally and just like I think the most thing was I for some reason I thought I lost their support but I know I didn't but I guess through the the hatred but I don't know yeah is is a breakthrough for me to break down those barriers and that that wall and not be scared to jump over it and get after it (laughs) I mean that stuff I've I've learned is exacerbated you know especially when you have something as an injury it's like you can you can get fired from your job and have that you know traumatic life experience with your family and it creeps up on that other thing and balloons it right you know like it's crazy what that does to it and so you have this injury you've got kind of a lot of things going on and you know, on top of that, like you have the family drama and the family issues that are yeah. still bubbling underneath that, you know, not to put words in your mouth, are being kind of um, masked by this bull riding life, by this life very, of... Very much so. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Masked. Yeah. And so then I think it all comes to a head when an injury like that kind of halts you in your tracks. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. I can't mask any of that with or distract myself with it. Yeah. So you, you worked really hard both with therapy and, and physically getting yourself yeah. back to what you needed to be. And, you know, what, what did that process look like? Obviously, with the therapy, like, what else did that look like? And, you know, how long until you were ready to come back? To um, yeah, that happened in August. I had surgery, I think it was August 6th. And I was back riding in December, first week of December. And... Yeah, the, I just went, the process I went worked out. And basically from August, I was in a, a collar after my surgery for six weeks. Mm. And didn't do nothing but freaking play Xbox. It was, I, like, I don't know. Like it was middle of summer. I couldn't yeah. really do much. I walked a lot. Yeah, I walked around the blocks of where me and my girlfriend lived down by Wilson there, by the college. And I just walked around because I was... That was the only thing that didn't hurt. It, it, it hurt to sit right away. It hurt to yeah. lay down. Like yeah, walking made it comfortable. So so you were in, you were in Bozeman at this point. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So you yep. had moved over from North Dakota to in Bozeman. twenty. Yep. Yeah. I'm assuming they don't have PBR bull riding on Xbox, correct? There is a game out there. There is a game out there. <laughs> yeah. It is Eight the Glory. I think I'm actually on it. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. What that wasn't the game. What was the game of choice you played? Call of Duty. Call of Duty. Yeah, played COD all day till my eyes hurt. Yeah, that's my roommate when he sucks the uh, bandwidth out of the internet, and I'm trying to work here, (laughs) and I'm like, "Cool, thanks." Yeah, (laughs) either one of them, either below me or over there, playing it, and I'm like, "I got no internet going on." Thanks, guys. Dang. Yeah, it'll drain the internet quick. Oh yeah, yeah, it'll drain a lot of hours out of your life too for a hot second. Oh yeah, you can get. You can get caught up in that stuff real yeah. quick, easy. So you get through all this. You're doing your walks. You're getting yourself mentally stronger. You're getting yourself physically there. You know, obviously waiting for the healing process. Yeah. And then this upcoming season or the next season, what what would that have been? Twenty twenty one. Yeah, no, this is twenty twenty two. 
would have been the 2022. So then you go into the 2022 season. Yeah. And you have a similar injury. Yeah, but before all that happened, that was I was riding the best I ever rode. Really? I, I was riding like roughly around almost 50% from December till March. What does 50% mean? 50% of my bulls I got on. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, If it's normally back when I was riding, it was only the best I think I got up to was like 41%, Yeah. So that means if, if you're riding 50%. But that's just a half. Like, there's only a three-month span. Yeah. But but still, like, I mean, it, it, what you're saying with the 50% is, like, 50% of the bulls that you ride, you stay on the whole time? Yeah. Wow. For eight seconds. <sighs> I, I'll tell you this. Every time I watch PBR highlights, it seems like every person stays on their bulls 100% of the time. And I'm not saying, obviously, I know they don't. You know Why? Why? Because it's our highlights. That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody posts today's dumb question <laughs> sponsored by Eight Hundred Five Cerveza <laughs> and BetterHelp.com. But no, I mean, like, I guess that's that's my that's me being naive, right? Yeah. And like my head, it's like eight seconds, eight seconds. Yeah. But it's crazy how much happens with the bulls that get picked that you need to ride. Yeah. And that eight seconds is. <laughs> feels like an eternity, right? Yeah. That's like batting 500. <sighs> yeah. It's a Honestly, good point. kind of had to no, it's a good point. put it in perspective. That's, how they... that's a great point. And not to jump around too much, but like the bulls, you said, get picked yeah. per the rider, right? Like yeah. that Only you said is... determines points, correct? Kind of your ride score. Of your ride score. Yeah. So like. Someone like you can get kind of does, – does someone like you get like if you're not in the top 35 or you're right there at the end, can you get shafted by not getting a good bull that's going to allow you to elevate more points? Yeah, but there's also this rule called a re-ride. If your bull doesn't perform, you get an option for a re-ride because mm. that does happen. And yeah. They're animals. Yeah. But – Can't yeah. control them so much. Exactly. So yeah. it's it's bound to happen. But, yeah, that's why I have that rule in there. But – yeah. It it happens because yeah. there's still that lower caliber bull versus yeah. the better bull, just a little bit, you know, and it's it's just part of the game, kind of. It's yeah. it's gonna happen. That's kind of how you get in the slumps and stuff, and mm-hmm. you draw a couple bad ones, and not necessarily they're not bad, but they just don't fit your riding style. Everybody's got a different kind of style, mm. and certain bulls fit them. It's different. Like every, it's weird. Yeah, I guess you're you're looking at me weird, but no, I'm not I, looking I, at you weird at all. I'm looking at you like perplexed. I'm like I'm still <laughs> trying to grasp on how this all works. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You're just like, oh, yeah. What the hell is this guy talking about? Right. He's talking about rocket scientists over here. <sighs> I'm just talking about bull riding. Because that's exactly what it seems like from the outside. Because in every one of the sports, from basketball to even skiing, snowboarding, and stuff, yeah. it is all you know. The skis you pick are the skis you pick, right? Mm-hmm. There's you're not getting more points for a better ski or a lesser ski. True. The sports with wild animals involved comes this whole complexity of this is what you get points. And for me, it's such a variable that I think does kind of in my head rip away from the fact that you're like you can be this person who really is striving, but you're not getting the 
best bull to get you the most points. It just kind of seems not always fair, I guess. I don't yeah. Know. Oh yeah. It's not, it's not always fair. Right. And so that's what that's what makes me have a hard time grasping the concept sometimes. I think everybody has a hard time grasping why you do it because it's you're you're risking your life. Yeah. Every time, like I've I've seen one of my buddies pass away in the arena not in the arena, but like shortly after, got stomped on and just internally bled out. Yeah. Like it's just like it's it's crazy, but it's the whole conquering the beast kind of thing. Mm. What what's a what's a mentality after you see something like that? It's it was tough, but I always look back and what I what I think and how I'd want my friends to act if that happened to me, and I wouldn't want them to be sorry or anything. I'd want them to be happy and go go about their business the way they go about it, and just remember me. That's it. Yeah. Because you you guys all went into this literal and metaphorical arena together exactly. to do this thing to exactly. conquer these things and yeah. be part of this this world yeah and he went out doing what he loves so like mm-hmm. you know it's it's part of like gladiators going yeah. into the rink with whatever yeah i guess once you step in there you know you know the risk yeah it's there's no joke it's not joking around it gets <laughs> it's not fun in games it's not yeah like where most sports, not most, but some sports are, where it's just if you get hit, bumped, and bruised, we can stop this. Bull yeah. riding, our Formula One, you yeah. can't, you can't just stop it instantly. It, yeah, a lot of stuff happens before you can. Yeah, hit the stop button. Yeah, the level of risk is elevated to another level mm-hmm. that just doesn't meet the traditional sports standards, right? Yeah. From basketball to to soccer, football, whatever you know. Yeah. Um, so. You have these, you have these horrific results or end results of death sometimes, and, and and then you have something that you went through which could have been very could be could have been more severe than it it is or yeah. was, oh, yeah. but you went and you got into another accident with the bull in twenty twenty two. Yeah, walk me through that. So during twenty twenty two, I come back. I landed on my head two times and the first time I landed on my head I'm pretty sure that's when I broke my neck the in the same time. race or in, in the same in the same ride no same. this is two different incidents like okay. two a month apart the first time I landed on my head after I had the surgery would have been in February in Milwaukee I just come off I lost my hand again I come off the bull and I just I just landed like right on my forehead and like it looked like I got knocked out because I was just laying there, but I was awake the whole time. But I couldn't really move my I couldn't move my whole body at first, and then slowly but surely I could start moving my hands and my feet, and I could I got sat up, and then feeling came back. Like it's all on video. Like it's yeah, it's pretty you me that. pretty chilling. Yeah. yeah, and then I didn't go get I didn't go to specialists. I didn't go get any X rays or MRIs because. Deep down, I knew it hurt, but I didn't think it was that bad. And at that point in time, I didn't want to be told no because at that time I was, I think it was fourth in the world. Like, I told you I was dominating. Like, I was kicking ass. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Fourth. 
Yeah. From being 30th at one point when you said you were riding really good to being in the top from mm -hmm. 14 to 20, then you got 2022 fourth. fourth. Yeah, I was the best ever. I was third like two weeks before that, I think. Do you, do you think, before you keep going further, do you think that that is, because uh, this happens a, a lot where people don't voice up their thing because they're addicted to that, I need to get to the top. Do you think that yeah. that was clouding your judgment? Because, very, yeah. very much. I, I, not that I need to get to the top, but I, I want to prove to myself, I want a full season just to prove to myself what I could do. It wasn't that I needed to be a world champion or be top five or anything. I just want to know where I would end up if I did it correctly as a professional athlete. Like, I would still go out drink a couple here and there, but I did it responsibly and respectfully, and I want to know where I would be at the end of the year. That's what I wanted. But I got cut short. I got two months into it. Mm. And then our first month I landed on my head, then another month went by and I landed on my head again. And we we were in Dallas. That's where I had my surgery at the Arlington Stadium there at the Global Cup is where I last got on. And I landed on my head again, lost my rope, same kind of thing. Mm. Just come down and land on top of my head. And I went and seen the specialist that did my surgery. And, yeah, it was... It was gut-wrenching and life-changing moment. <laughs> I never never cried so much, to be honest. Well, I can't say I cried a lot at my mom's wedding, but other than that, it's that's the worst I've ever cried because because it was kind of another like life-changing thing, if you want to compare it. It's like having a mom, and all that knowledge gets ripped away from you. Like You, you can't, can't tap into that. Mm. Like, hey, what, what is this, what is that? It's like all my knowledge of riding and um, hard work of 10-plus years professionally doing it. Now that gets ripped away, and now i got to figure out how to make my bills work and life work in reality now. Mm. Yeah. And that was the biggest thing for me on the whole having to quit. It wasn't... I love bull riding, but at that at this point in my career, I was I was out to prove a point, like everybody is. But it wasn't because of fame or I like to go or any of that. It was just I love the I love bull riding and I wanted to prove something. So yeah, once once I knew the risk was being paralyzed, not living a normal life, if I simply land on my head one more time, like um. I'm out because yeah. it happens too much. Yeah. So it was the risk outweighed the reward for me. So mm. that's right. I was like, it wasn't a hard decision. And the hardest thing was just try to learn how to make money again. Yeah. To be honest. <laughs> yeah. Live a life that's not this dream that you've created exactly and, and a childhood dream like yeah i grew up watching bull riding and stuff and you know yeah every kid dreams of being a professional athlete of some kind you know and i was living it shit it was fun but like i said that's my only regret of not doing it sooner but i also got to live a life of being a kid and partying and 
the trials and just living that lifestyle. I, I don't regret it. It it just took me took me longer to learn than I wanted it to, to be honest. Other than that, it was fun. Yeah. I sympathize because and empathize with that because that's how I looked at my life. You know, there's yeah. a lot of things where I'm friends with 23-year-olds who are seemingly making just as much money as me right out of their college. They're having a great time living life. And I go like, well, I had a great time living life, but I just pushed off all responsibilities for so many years yeah. until I was ready to do that. And you catch yourself going, but I lived a fantastic time in that time. Yeah. You know, I was not just sitting and playing Call of Duty every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that was a time period in that point. Yeah. But that was not your life. No. It was so much more than that. And when you really do look at it after you kind of leave that fog of war, and for you that fog is just, you know, accepting that this is the end in a lot yeah. of ways, that this is the end of this chapter. Yeah. Once you sit there and all that fog settles, and you go, that was incredible of what i did yeah you know yeah. i was on you know posters i was on a, a, a game oh, I, yeah. i'm on all these things and regardless of that you just you made something of it got to go up and f-16 i forgot to say that too oh that's cool fighter jet these are pretty cool like little tidbits that you kind of you know sprinkling in here at the end i've got <laughs> <laughs> Got a lot of concussions <laughs> through those yeah, 10 I was years. Say, <laughs> I, I'm sure those aren't the only land on your head uh, yeah. moments that were here. Yeah, so, no, for sure. But so now you get this chance. This, the, like I said, the fog, and it's so recent. I didn't realize it was 2022. I thought it was last year, which is still very recent, but I didn't realize it was 2022. Mm -hmm. You now have this opportunity to kind of, like you said, figure out how to make money, but also pass on your knowledge and your skill sets to where we first met, which was at MSU yeah. and their bull riding team. Yeah. What prompted you to maybe get into that world? Did it just feel like a natural direction from everything you were doing? Yeah, like I've, I help, I got a lot of buddies still riding, younger kids, like you're saying. I got a lot of 22, 24 to all the way. A lot of buddies that are in the game still, and I try to help them and mm. give them the knowledge that nobody told me because I, there's a lot of stuff as I went through my life in the bull riding career. I wish somebody had told me little bits and pieces here and there to do. And somebody kind of looked out for me that went down that line. Then I could trust, not just like nobody wants to listen. I don't know. I can say anything, but nobody wants to listen to their parents or not nobody, but most kids don't want to listen to their parents. They'll listen to somebody else before they listen to them mm. or there's always somebody like that where they just want to hear it for the right person. And I think I can be that person for some people. And with my knowledge and being in the game for that long, I think I got, I do know a lot of little tricks and little tips here and there. So like at that college is the first time we met and it was the first time I met those college kids. And now I got three of them. They come to my house once a week when they're, going to school here we do a little practice session on my little drop barrel in my garage and yeah it's it's been fun but the other thing is like i would like to get into coaching one of those pbr teams and actually get on be one of the head coaches it's kind of my goal because that's my only little way to compete still and be part of the game and be part of the sport still i i think you nailed something that is 
been a big talking point of mine, you know, not so much on the podcast, but just in life, which is this idea of mentorship, you know, and, and like you said, a great point about people not wanting to really listen to their parents. Yeah. And I think it's more so listening to someone like, you know, for instance, parents are trying to teach you like oh, 10 plus 10 equals 20. It's like, I don't want to listen to you. But then when they go to the structure of a school, yeah. they're more apt to listen to their teacher. Right, you know, we, we've we've dis, we've disassociated what they're they are to me, yeah. versus what this person is to me, and I think that that's a huge role for you to step into and now take over for these people and these kids who do need that guidance and do want that, like, you know, that 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 thirst for becoming better. Yeah, no, that, and that's kind of what I want to do, but I I realized since I didn't get on one of those teams on the coaches, that that's got to get pushed off the to the back burner for a little bit and I need to go realize like this is where the whole dilemma is where I need to figure out how to make money and which avenue I want to go down and like, I, I'll be honest I don't want to work eight to five I don't want to work for anybody I'd rather have a, some kind of a business or invest in something but I don't have enough money to invest in something where I could live off it right now so I'm gonna have to start a company or do start something and grind it out and actually get to where I want to have my assets investments to where I can just retire off of them and live off a of cash flow of whatever it is. Mm. And do you feel like there's a there's a there's a, a need for something of the bull riding here in this area that you could do? Or? There there is probably in this area. Like I'm trying to set up a bull riding school with another kid, uh former bull rider Jess Lockwood like every every bull rider knows who he is he's a two-time world champion he lives over in Montana eastern Montana and um we're gonna link up and try to get one going this spring sometime out at his place out there and I eventually want to get a travel around do a couple here and there but like I said I can't financially live live life unless I have some money so I need to go figure that out and then eventually dibble dabble and get some school set up here and there. And if I can't get the cash flow to go, I'll just retire and do like three or four schools a year and have fun, travel around. Well, that sounds amazing, man. Um, And I'd be disappointed in myself listening back to this when I inevitably do to edit this. Um, If I didn't ask that, like, you know, one of the main things that stuck out to me was just your, uh, I'm going to degrade my terminology here or my vocabulary, but your stoke for life, your, you know, your excitement for things, you know, out of all the stuff you've went through, right, with just, you know, mom passing away and, you know, the injuries and friends passing away and then the bull riding, like what has kept you so, you know, excited and optimistic about, you know, the path forward, you know, or what keeps that fire going? Because, you know, that is something when I met you, you just had that natural, you know, tenacity yeah. towards life that w- felt really good. You know, did I, I? I hope you take that really well, like with a, with as a compliment. Because no, yeah, it's something I, that, I do. Know, I saw very do. That's what I was saying. I don't think I. I'm just being me, so I don't know. But yeah. I don't know what kind of vibe I'm putting off. But yeah, That's I do. <laughs> I do feel like I'm in a better place in life, best place I've ever been, especially with everything that's going on and. I just think I'm happy at where I am, and it 
the best thing is to be just keep setting your goals higher like and and make sure you check them off before you keep going mm. and just work towards them and have a plan like <laughs> I got a plan like now I'm starting to get a plan together to like gonna go get my real estate license and then maybe start a gutter business here in the next six months but like it's just stuff like that where you gotta luckily that's the other, I, I gotta take for granted like I won 90,000 in those two week or two months I rode so it gave me cushion to be able to take it easy and step back and actually look and plan this out and not get a rush to it where financially I wasn't just rushing into an eight to five mm. and yeah hopefully I can execute the plan out hopefully I will I'll do it and it, it, that's the biggest thing is just making your mind up it's like you're saying with all the stuff that's happened to me um it's it's all a choice which what you want to do with it a lot of that stuff is like my mom passing friends and just the hate and just f use it that nobody else has that I, I figured that out like nobody else has that power or that drive that I have because it's my life like it's up to every one of us to figure that out I think and I think if you can try to find the good in life and use that to your advantage and move on and just keep keep striving to be better and whatever pisses you off find out what can fuel you to make you better and move on with it and thank them later well Stetson this has been an amazing conversation and I appreciate you coming on man ah, no problem thanks for having me thanks for the beer absolutely brother Stetson Lawrence everyone thank you so much brother yes sir All right, I'd like to thank my guests today for being on the show. I'd also like to thank all of you for your continued support as we move forward into this journey. And to remind everyone, including myself, that doing anything for the love of it will ultimately bring more worth than if otherwise. I'm thankful for these moments spent, and I hope you can find a moment to be thankful for the things you value in your life and pass that on. I'll see you on the other side.